So, let me tell you something that you should have already realized by now about this fucking show you're listening to. This shit is supposed to be for mature audiences. As in grown-ups, mentally mature. It's supposed to talk about adult subjects in an adult frame of mind. It's not fucking that at all. This is two emotionally regressed, broken half-wits pretending to offer insight on movies. All they really offer you is an endless sexual perversion and a laundry list of personal paraphilia issues. You can make your own choices in life, but you have to choose this as entertainment. You know you're better than this. You have to know you are better than listening to Cinema Psyops.
Welcome to the 335th episode of Cinema PsyOps. I'm your host, Court, the guy that's gonna fucking trick you about just how excited he is to be here today. And being my cohort, as well as my co-host, and helping me do that is my co-host, Matt. You guys didn't see anything. This is just the opportunities for us to razzle and dazzle you. I saw everything. You did not shut up. I saw everything. How dare you? You saw nothing. (laughs) Don't pay attention to the angry, angry, depressive people behind the curtain. (laughs) Yeah. Don't think about how we have to somehow muster this shit up together to do this every fucking week, despite how we may feel inside and try to be somewhat entertaining and happy. Don't don't think about that at all. Don't think about it at all or else I'm going to start to cry and that, that's what you want is an hour long podcast of a grown man just fucking openly weeping that's fine I'll give you that shit but I don't think that's what you signed up for I don't want to record that and edit it <laughs> right it's just ugh, who wants to hear all this like fucking sobbing and my like the snot nose shit you know that's going to happen I mean you put it to the right sounding uh, minor chord guitars and people will fucking just line up for it people think it's Evanescence. I know. <laughs> oh, don't even take a pot shot at them. It's just anybody <laughs> that plays minor chords and openly weeps into a microphone, which is like every fucking musician <laughs> ever, yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could have pulled out, oh, that's Ed Sheeran. Yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could sit here and recite no. the lyrics to Rainbow Connection, and yes, we could all have this wonderful, loving, yeah. and happy moment, but that's not how this podcast works, man. We're, we're working no. on this ever drive forward to continue doing something so that you and I both have something to look forward to. And I guess what I should say is the reason I use Evanescence is at least listen to some of their songs at one point. I don't know if I've ever actively heard an Ed Sheeran song because I am indeed old. I'm a fogey at this point in my life. I don't know anything that's like modern at all. <laughs> well, what I'm referring to essentially is that the reason there are so many sad songs, the reason there are so many songs about heartbreak and anger and depression and all of that other kind of shit is like I think Mike Ness said it best with uh, so distortion that's what it's like when you're down here with the rest of us yeah yeah this is just life it's life man yeah <laughs> Fuck, I fucking no Come- yeah and giallo january <laughs> paid off big time last week yeah but i think it's gonna pay off big time this week we uh, got a good one really you enjoyed this film huh i i, I for what it was yeah okay so you got over the fact that it was really heavily influenced by psycho let's put it that way of course yes yes uh, of course i uh, you see it it like Wait, you all right, listen, it doesn't take a genius to know within the first twenty minutes what the ending of this film's exactly going to be. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, uh, I enjoyed it for what it was. Right. Okay. Um, How about that? I yeah. lowered my expectations enough. Yeah. Okay. I, I totally get what you're saying there. And um, I don't, I do not disagree with you in any way, shape or form. I think that's kind of the big ask that the film will ask us in the first 20 minutes. And I think if you can get over that hurdle, then yeah, it's a well-made film. It's well shot. Uh, it's well acted. There's a lot of really interesting stuff that we're going to be able to dig our, sink our teeth into. But I'm glad that you're also willing to admit the fact that, I mean, you pretty much know right away when it's... Oh, it's when it's it w- stole like crazy. <laughs> well, it's not... It, it didn't steal because there's enough stuff that is different, but there are the key points that um, 
you would take away from Psycho in the story, as in someone's been dead the whole time. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert for the film we're about to discuss. But I mean, like somebody that- is having a conversation with that person who's been dead this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, yeah. It, and yeah, it borrows extremely heavily. So if you've seen Psycho, then, you know, you're going to have to get over that hurdle to enjoy the rest of the stuff that we both did enjoy about the film. Uh, but yeah. it took me, I would say, probably significantly longer to get over it uh, while watching it than what it did you. And I'm still a little salty about it. But like, I have to admit that that is a hurdle you have to get over. And if you can get over it and just like deal with that, then there is plenty of stuff to sink your teeth into with this film and enjoy it. But um, you know what? What some people may not want to do that. So why not? warn them up front right yeah no exactly and what really helped me get oh, probably over it a lot easier was i was in a tremendously good mood when i watched this movie so maybe that also helped me like if i was in maybe like a piss poor mood or some shit like that then maybe i'd be like you know fuck you what are you fucking doing it would take me take me longer but well yeah that's as a, it was that's a distinct possibility but like i live pretty much every fucking day in a state of constant anger <laughs> like, that, <laughs> that, like i just i just like it's just there and i just i can't put it away it's just some baggage that i deal with it's just shit Listen, that's I, on me i'm no psychologist but you're gonna want to get that checked out <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah uh, well hereditary chemical imbalance shit um uh, uh, medication yeah mm-hmm. yeah. Right. yeah yeah i'm just saying i'm just <laughs> i'm just like i said i'm no professional as we've all known i think throughout the entirety of these episodes you can well in effect establish i'm no professional in any sense of any profession but <laughs> i still get that checked out <laughs> what you're saying is if your anger and hatred last more than four hours consult a doctor <laughs> that's a prietism yeah <laughs> oh yeah no but yeah it is it is what it is and like i don't say that shit because i think it makes me cool i say that shit because i think it makes me a fucking loser and i'm sick of it (laughs) all right Uh, healthy dose of that shit in there too i'd go ahead just pack that away for a little bit man you're all gonna be okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah like i don't think that that's something to aspire to at all i just want to state that out for the record uh, but just to kind of like circle back like to the actual film and everything that we're going to be discussing with the movie, uh, you do. You have to let that go because if you can let that go, there's plenty of stuff that we can really definitely enjoy about it. But we do have to discuss it because of that. And yeah, yeah. it took me a little bit longer to kind of get over it, but um, I'm glad that the film did win me over. However, there's a lot of things that I do have to um, uh, nitpick about the well, movie and, and yeah. discuss. And well, there's plenty of things done in this movie like in the story where I'm kind of like, I don't know. There's a lot of things to, this movie has a lot of questions to answer for. (laughs) The the interior decorator of the set and or house they filmed in has a lot to answer for, for me. Oh yeah. Well, that's also true. I'm sure everybody's like, wow, what the fuck is this movie got? God, people. (laughs) Court is coming at an interior decorator? What the fuck? (laughs) Man, this is just interior decorating. It's just one of the many services we offer here at (laughs) Cinema Psyops. You can learn more about it at the Legion Patreon ad, after which we will have the syndicate of sound and little girl for our pirate radio edit. This will keep you quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You call me cutting a new show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? 
Not that, but also yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legionpodcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for $5, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room. the idea of someone telling a murderer hey you didn't think of doing anything new to kill yeah and then nothing (laughs) and considering that our killer this week spoiler alert everybody but it's kind of obvious from the get-go is a female yeah that's the theme for this week's pirate radio edit nice (laughs) y'all seen psycho what if we made that with a female and her husband and yeah and and i'm just gonna go ahead and tell you why you have to ruin the movie for everyone you don't have to ruin it for everyone else they would have been so surprised because this movie hit it so well i can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not (laughs) because your tone is always like that I'm never not sarcastic. There's just different levels to it. <laughs> I have many subtle levels, like Doctor Venkman's laundry and Ghostbusters yes, too. Yes, that's right. There's nothing. There's no such thing as just not sarcastic and sarcastic. There's just many varied levels. <laughs> well, there's also no levels of trailer this week, so we can just start the review at any point. Fuck it. Let's do it. Trauma. The first twenty. Start out. It's got this guy. Uh, I don't. I mean, this guy is a weird looking dude, right? Yeah. He's our lead I, actor. I thought the He's same a thing. Guy. Yeah. And and they're trying to play him off as like this like handsome, uh, uh, ne'er-to-do-well yeah, kind of playboy dude, right? Le- leading man type shit. Yeah. And I'm like, I thought at first this is a bit player guy who's going to get murdered like first or some shit. And, nope. But uh, so anyway, he's getting directions to a hotel. Uh, and we see the outside of this hotel and you hear a woman yelling that uh, that the, she only married. She says, you only married me for that. Uh, must be talking to her husband. Um, then she says, you drop that pipe. Because uh, you keep smoking all the time, drop the pipe, and I'll make you some dinner. So the you know sounds like marital discord is happening here. Uh, so then the dude he pulls up, and uh, as he walks in, the lady kind of scares her, but she 
she's like, oh, geez. And she drops a bottle of wine because she's coming from the wine cellar. But you never yeah, see it again. No, you never see this wine cellar again. No, you never see the wine that she dropped. You never see it get cleaned up. It's not in the next shot when she walks past it and she's holding oh, two oh, bottles no. again. Nothing that gets. Well, no, she was had three bottles. She was holding three. One dropped. So she had two the whole time okay. after that. Yeah, but the yeah. broken wine bottle, like they cut back. But you never hear about it again. No, there's no like I better go clean that up out in the middle of fucking a pathway people might walk on you know well and it's instantly gone like they completely forgot about yeah. it after it shatters too like it just disappears Every mess that's made is completely forgotten about <laughs> yeah it just disappears you're right yeah yeah everything just disappears for a mess so anyway uh she shows him around she's being very friendly with him and i think you could tell she's she's they're, they're kind of flirting back and forth um right and i totally don't get it like i can get why no. he would flirt with her don't get me she's, wrong she's 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 very friendly to him. She's rather attractive. Yes. Yes. She's rather attractive. Absolutely. (laughs) But like, I don't see what she sees in him other than he is so awkward and weird. Maybe she finds him completely non-threatening. Maybe. I don't know. Because I mean, that's a lady who could end up being something dangerous to me because that is a dangerous type for me. (laughs) And um, we know this. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I'm just like, holy Jesus. And this guy. This is the guy, and then I get mad, and I punched my laptop a few times, so I had to buy something new. Um, <laughs> so she's talking, and she's like, um, her husband's disabled, but would love to play chess with him at some point. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm terrible, but hey, if he doesn't mind playing with a novice, that's great. Um, she shows him to his room. Um, he takes off his driving gloves, because why wouldn't you have driving gloves? Well, when he takes off the driving gloves, we see an obvious wedding ring there. Um, it's almost as obvious then, as in Die Hard 2 when he, like, pushes the ring at her and says, just the facts, ma'am. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then uh, she then starts, we cut to, she's in her room of the manor, and she's berating a chair in which her husband is supposedly sitting in, uh, yelling at him for not eating uh, anything, and he's, you know, he's not taking good care of himself. The instant you see her talking to a chair and she never never actually interrupts interacts with her husband and the husband yeah and the husband doesn't move so i'm like i'm like all right this is fucking psycho in this end yeah it's it's psycho you know and i'm like is there even a husband maybe she made that up completely who the fuck knows maybe you know what the hell happened but you know whatever it it is what it is yeah at the start Uh, of the film you do wonder if there is even anybody in the chair or if she's just basically both roles are in her mind right now and i also I also wonder at this point, was there ever a husband even? Like, at this point, we both know either A, there's a corpse in that chair, B, that chair is empty and her husband's up in her mind, or C, there was never a husband to begin with and she maybe was just lonely in her life and created that. So there's a lot of possibilities, but we all know it's one of those three. Yeah, we've seen memories within Miss Aggie. We know how this is going to go, only without the pornography, unfortunately. Anyway, um, the dude's trying to write. Apparently, he's a writer. And uh, she comes in, and th- she really is flirting a lot. And she wants him to make him dinner, and good dinner. And she's like, do you want uh, fish or beef? And he's like, hey, whichever one. So she's going to make him some fish. And they, she says a storm's going to be coming in tonight. And so he's like, great. And But she's heavily flirting in this part of the, the scene, more than he is. He's... 
you know, he's being nice, but she is heavily flirting and it's heavily pissing me the fuck off. He is flirtatious with her, but he is also very forthright with the fact that, yes, I'm a writer. It's not that big of a deal. But then he's like, I'm also married. Like he does say it like a couple of different times. But then I think he likes having her dote on him because it makes him feel good. And I can't say I blame him for allowing this to happen. But like he never really seems like he's going to go for it at all during the film, like where he's going to succumb to her charms. And honestly, I think that's the only thing that keeps him alive through the film. I think so. Oh, yeah, that's definitely has to be the only reason why he lived. Um, Spoiler alerts for everybody again, but still. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. But he, yeah, he lived. So anyway, he looks out and he sees a kid is watching a place. Same kid who gave him directions. Well, he goes out and he catches the kid and he's kind of talking to him. Hey, what are you doing? And then he sees the innkeeper. She's coming out telling dinner's ready. So he lets the kid go. Then he gives Kenneth the kid a nick and a wa- nod. Like, you're not in trouble. Get out of here, you scamp. And the kid takes off. Does he um, feel creepy with his interaction with the kid at this point in the movie, too? Not right now, but he's going to. Okay. <laughs> Good. Just as and long I know as you... exactly what you're talking about. Okay, then you but saw not it too. Right now. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw it too. But not right now. Now it's just kind of like one of those. Okay, I caught a kid spying on a house that he shouldn't be. Should I do anything? And then it's like, now, nah, okay, he's a fucking kid. Kids will be kids. Get out of here, you scamp. That's what it feels like to me. You know, he gives him that wink and nod, like, ah, yes, scamp. And you know, he goes away. So it's uh, it's a stormy night. He's having dinner. And she's talking to him, and uh, he's like, ah, oh, this food's great stuff like that um he's uh the dude says yeah he's been married for some years and uh but he's worried about that he he's worried about something about his marriage but they don't really expand on they talk about his writing and he says he's very interested in this lady so now you know he's kind of flirting a little bit more um she then shows him these dolls that she makes herself uh he he's very impressed by he thinks they're antiques at first he goes no i made them he goes wow i would have sworn they're antiques and she goes i she uses a special method to make him look older how many dolls are there when he first shows up is it two or three i think it's two or Two? No, three. 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 Yeah. Okay. That, that, all right. Cause there's I'm trying. an odd number. Yeah. Cause the, she the, takes two down to show him, and there's still one up there. Yeah. There's three currently, but, um, the numbers continue to increase as the film goes. And I think it's yeah, representative never, of something. And I just want to make is, sure. But the movie never touches on it, though. There's three dolls. She's really obsessed with them. And we'll talk more about it as we go. Yeah. So you saw that abandoned thread as well, which is something yeah. that this film does like a lot. But not in a way that it feels uncomfortable or, or or like I'm getting robbed. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It, I don't feel shortchanged because the film no. basically like visually tells me part of the story without actually having to acknowledge it in any other way, shape, or form. And then I either pick up on it or I don't. And either way, I'm going to enjoy the other elements of the story. But this is just like a little extra depth of the story for you to have here with the dolls. Is basically why I wanted yeah. to bring it up. Yeah. So uh, he then uh, remarks, like, if you sell, I'm sure you sell these by the pretty penny. And this is the first moment in which you get to see this character arc of hers, where she kind of snaps at him and gets really hurt feelings and goes, why would I sell them? They're mine. And then she storms off, in which she does a lot with everybody. And she'll turn around and be friendly to you again, but she will lose her temper at you a lot as well. It seems as though her grip on what's going on around her 
humor is very tentative at best, and she becomes extremely childlike when she demands to be able to keep the dolls and like, why would I ever want to sell them, you know, and it's really upset. And like the concept of making them to be able to make money becomes so offensive to her. She gets angry and runs off. And it's really bizarre. You know, like it's not like he said he wanted to buy those specific ones, but he was like, you could sell them is what he was getting at. And he was like surprised yeah. that she didn't because they're that good of quality, you know, and they do. Mm-hmm. They look it's a compliment. Yeah. They almost anybody else would take that as a compliment. Right. And it's such a bizarre, weird thing to have a character do uh, as yeah. far as an action goes to where there is no question that she's clearly disturbed. This isn't Norman Bates where he says a few things where you kind of are like, hey, wait a minute. But then he kind of right. chuckles and, you know, plays it off. And then like he's charming and nobody really notices it again. This is a woman just flat out completely changing for no provocation at all and becoming really, really cold to this man and then just walking away. I mean, that's that's yeah. like a warning sign, if nothing else. And I think even this guy seems to pick up on stuff like that. But being that he's a writer, I think he wants to learn more about her because I think she's becoming part of the story he's working on. It, she's Yeah, and she's she is fascinating and she's also beautiful. So she has two things going for her that can catch a person's eye, especially somebody who's maybe the creative type. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, so it's I I totally see how he can get sucked into her world, even though he is also acknowledging these warning signs that he is seeing. Like it seems like he yeah. totally is acknowledging them. Yes. Well, um, then just then as she's putting the statues back, two campers come walking in from the storm. Uh, they come in. They you know they're like, hey, can we come in? Sorry, this we got caught up in the storm. And she very annoyingly, she's very annoyed that these two people are here. And she says, I mean, you already came in, so what can I do? Then they ask if they get some food, but she's like, hey, you know kitchen's closed so go fuck yourself and they're like oh but please 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 they beg they beg enough that she goes let me see what i can do uh so then the two they're around a fireplace that has wood in it they're like oh maybe we should try to light a fire and he's like i better check with her first he goes to the kitchen he's talking to her she is highly annoyed that they're there but is still kind of listening to their story but the she's like the fireplace is out of order you can't use it. she doesn't want them so, there they are ruining her no. good time with this gentleman and it's obvious that yeah. she is trying to shove them out the door and get rid of them so that she doesn't have to have them around because her time with him is being ruined yeah very much um she is putting something together for dinner but she's talking to the guy and she's like what are you guys doing do you guys climbing the mountain he goes yeah we're we were we're in the middle of it we're climbing this mountain and we're gonna we'll be out of here tomorrow and she goes tomorrow she goes you're gonna stay the night shocked and he goes yeah i thought we would because you know the weather so now she's ultimately annoyed because now she has two guests who she has to watch over then the guy comes back out and the girl is talking to the writer and they all kind of introduce themselves and the lady brings out some food and the couple's eating so she goes back to where like right i mean right before that couple got there she was being really annoyed by the writer she did not she got mad at the writer now she's back to her her flirty self so like some really you know I guess, for lack of a better, extremes in her emotions. Um, yeah, she's extremely as, mercurial of a human yeah. being where she's all over the place with uh, yeah. with her reactions to things. And 
there's this is not the last time that she will get short with this writer no, in such a no. way to where it's kind of uncomfortable and you wonder but if he he's going to get hurt. No, I think he, he notices. Know- he just doesn't acknowledge it to her because he is observing her. It could be like I got this feeling like he was so kind of aloof in his own head. He didn't even notice that he offended her. He was just kind of like, oh, OK, she went away because you never get him. Like he never looks at her like, oh, shit, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like never gives her that side eye shit. Yeah, I think he's been expecting this type of behavior from her the entire time and I'll okay so who gives him the, the instructions to go to this hotel and why is he going to this hotel yeah it's that kid who gives him the well why is he going to that I yeah we don't know that we don't know why he's going I know the kid gave him instructions when he stopped in town at the very beginning of the movie and that kid who he busted is the one who actually gave him directions to this hotel but why do he didn't know about this hotel who knows why did he drive away who knows we don't know any of that yeah but there's also a woman's voice that gives him instructions too it's not a kid's voice about the hotel oh, the fuck did i miss that i thought maybe i thought that was the kid's voice yeah no there was a woman <laughs> he, he's getting instructions oh, okay. from a woman that's telling him about the hotel or at least i thought it was a woman i didn't think it was the kid oh, see and i thought it was the kid no i so, think he still couldn't find it and i think the kid told him where to go oh, from okay there. so then that even that isn't okay shit i just thought his asshole got into a car decided to drive away and we don't really know what the hell he's doing now, i just uh, assume that, that him being I, I just assume that him being a writer he heard stories about this woman's odd behavior and he was looking for an inspiration so he came oh, to this hotel I'm, just to kind of like write about his experiences i thought on he to- was maybe having oh sorry go ahead uh, just on top of the reason why he needed to actually go away that we're not going to reveal yeah. yet because that is actually kind of a spoily moment for the actual yeah. story i mean all the stuff that and we're I, talking about as far as the psycho roundabout stuff you know yeah <laughs> and we already said yeah, that, that i just we, we already said that this weird looking guy was our lead so saying that he survives yeah. the entire time is also not that much of a spoil if you think about it yeah that's true i just thought like he was having a burnout as a writer uh so he just left wherever he was like and i don't know anything of the other shit you know that was happening between him and that we find out later in the movie i just thought you know he's one of those writers having a burnout uh i better start you know, I got to drive someplace and get a better understanding of my life or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I just think that you this, know? I just thought that this guy's uh, motivations were a lot more sinister than it appears, especially by the end of the film. So I just kind of That's assumed true. that he knew what was going on with her, but he knows that he cannot acknowledge those moments where she gets outraged. And I think he's there because she's been exhibiting some odd behavior and he's basically mining this for a story because he is an yeah. uninspired failed writer. I think think it's like two birds one stone kind of thing being in this hotel he's he's successful but he's 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 blocked right now yeah he how about that he's he's a failure at doing anything more is what i basically meant like he's yeah there you go he's seen more than what's already made him famous yeah like he can't he doesn't he doesn't have any more inspiration he's looking for a muse he can't really write anything else there you go all right he's ran out of inspiration all right Cool. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, but yeah. But all this is still, you know, we're just kind of like, all right. Well, anyway, uh, she starts flirting with him again. They're kind of talking, and then the uh, couple want some more wine, so she's heavily annoyed. She goes to pour some wine, and he comes up behind her and was like, "Hey, you know, does your husband want to play that chess game?" And here's another spill. She spills wine, and then that spill just goes away. Yeah, you never see it again. Never see it again. But uh, she goes, "Nah, he's. Uh, I think he's not feeling well. All that kind of stuff." 
tomorrow, though. And he goes, okay, cool. He goes, I'm going to head up to bed. Uh, and so he goes to sleep. Uh, chess will be tomorrow. And that's the end of the first 20 minutes of the movie. So a lot of, a lot of buildup here. A, a lot of substance to get you into at least the first 20 minutes. As long as you overlook, you're obviously watching something very heavily influenced by Hitchcock. Well, and the, the obvious ploy at what they're doing, it's when you see it at the beginning of the film, I said to myself, oh man, I hope they're not going to just rip off Hitchcock here. Cause it really feels like they're yeah. just going to rip off Hitchcock. I hope they do something different with it. And I think they kind of do, but they also do just kind of rip off Hitchcock with the yeah, the main yeah. arch of the story, but they just kind of hang their own little plot points and various things to it where they change it enough to where they're doing some other things that it keeps it interesting. I will say this. They at least made it known that they were going to heavily rip off Psycho early enough for me to get over it and start enjoying it in well within this first 20 minutes. I was like, okay, fine. They're going to do this. Let's see what they're going to do with it. I know what they're taking it from. I know they're probably going to pull heavily from it. Now I can enjoy this first 20 minutes. Okay. So when when exactly did you decide that with basically the second time she goes up to talk to her husband after we were, you're both like you see it the first time and you're like, yeah, he's a corpse. And then was it like yeah. the second time she goes to when talk you, to when him? You see her, when you see her actually talking to a chair. So you hear her talking outside of the hotel before the guy gets there. And you're like, all right, I don't hear in a second part of the conversation. See, that's you don't well, hear yeah, someone that's, talking back to her. So when she's and talking, sudden, when she's talking without anybody else there, I'm like, they're going to do yeah, fucking psycho because this is supposed to be the end he's going to. That's what I started thinking. Okay. All right. So this is probably a psycho type thing. And then, so it's already in my head. So that's why they did it early enough. And then when you, then when you see the chair, that's when you're talking to a chair and you're like, all right, they're definitely doing psycho and they're going to pull heavily from it. Cause you could do the type of thing they were doing. It'd be like, oh, hey, they, they got an idea from psycho and they're going to play off of that kind of mental idea. But then when you see her just talking to a chair, you go, oh no, they're just going to try to do psycho with a, with a different flavor like they added cinnamon on top of psycho and they're going to expect me to think that it's a completely different fucking dessert right it's pumpkin Um, spice psycho yeah yeah exactly so but again all this hat all that happened so her talking outside the hotel was at the very beginning before the guy even pulled up yeah and then her talking to the chair was probably 10 minutes in 10 minutes in i already know it and I can adjust myself to be like, all right, so this is what it is. This is what it's going to be. I'm fine. And we can move on. It, now, if it took me a little, yeah, so- it took oh. me a little longer to get over it than that. Like when I got to the part in the chair is when I got angry about it. But then um, my anger subsided when they started doing all this different stuff, like with the dolls and all that other kind of thing. Yeah. So like my spike went higher up. So it took a little longer to drop off, like, and just kind of accept it. I was like, oh, God damn it. No. And then yeah. they started doing the stuff with the dolls and they had like just the the little differences that they did with the 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 new couple that's coming to spend the night and irritating her and the way that they're doing this where i'm like oh oh this is very different now what wait what's going on you know and then when you realize that you know that i think also the realization that that creepy weird writer dude is now going to be our lead like that happens at this point when the couple comes because you know the couple's going to die because they're already irritating her like you just know like you can just fucking tell you know who the first we we now know who the first victim are going to be in this movie right and it's in my head the minute they came in from the rain i'm like there are first victims right on time yeah (laughs) and here are the first two to die right and like as soon as you see them you're like oh i was thinking the author was going to die that night because he suggested that she sell the dolls and she was going to lose her shit and fucking kill him right but then like these two come storming and i'm like oh no he's safe yeah he's gonna live a little longer he's gonna be okay (laughs) 
<laughs> right. Okay. Now we we discuss everything else story wise and plot wise that we needed to get through, and I feel like you are absolutely correct. By the time the chair happens, you may have an initial reaction of anger, but like if you kind of can get over that and enjoy the weird ride that we get up to the point when the kids show up and the twenty minute mark hits, I think the rest of the movie you're gonna like. Like I think you will yeah, enjoy I it. So. I do. I do agree with you there as well. Um, there is, however, one very unforgivably horrible thing with the decor in this house that I cannot let go of. Now, see, now this, I don't know, like, because I know nothing about how to decorate shit, so I can't wait to hear this. All right, so you notice the wood grain look all over every single wall in the house? Yeah. Did you notice the bubbling wallpaper that wasn't smoothed down in that wood grain in a couple of the shots? I didn't, but that's not something I traditionally look for, but now I think I'm going to start. <laughs> All right. So obviously I watched it on my projector, right? Yeah. Yeah. Every, You're going to have a bigger viewer right, viewing than Right. Me. Every piece of what should be paneling or looks like it would be wood paneling is in fact either a badly painted on wood grain look or a badly placed wallpaper or decal for the wall kind of sticker that has like bubbled up and stuff like that on the wood grain and all of that. And it just looks, wow. it looks awful. I don't know if they did that for this. Like if it was like, they built a set or, or if this was somebody's house, if it's somebody's house, I feel even worse about that, about I'm having to, to say that. Check that out. Now. It's fucking <laughs> terrible. It sounds horrible. Maybe, yeah, I would hate that shit. <laughs> and it's, and the problem that I really have is it looks like there's actually like, you know, solid old school craftsmanship woodwork in the house and all of that awful wood grain either paint job or wallpaper because it is bubbly in some parts too so i'm guessing it's wallpaper or whatever is just ruining everything about the house and what it could be to me and it just makes me feel so ill and they spend all the goddamn time in there and they spend a lot of it in that parlor that looks like that that is primarily that or the hallway outside of the rooms to where i'm just grateful that we go into that awful lime green room the fucking author's staying in just to get away from the wood grain because it's all just a fucking mess out there. <laughs> I will never watch this again on my projector because that's no, painful I to I see. No, I mean, why would you waste the bulb? <laughs> it's not a waste of the bulb because everything else is beautiful. Like when we go outside and all that stuff, it's beautifully shot. It looks wonderful. It the outside is, I mean, the, yeah. the outside. Yeah. Is, is a beautiful, beautiful thing. <laughs> but we spend so much time in those rooms with that wood grain, and it's really painful to look at. <laughs> it really is. It really is. <laughs> we can move on now. That bone has been picked. All right. All right. You, you did it. <laughs> but now that you say it, I'm like, oh, God, now I want to go back and check that out. No, just don't. Um, just don't. Like, unless you're going to watch the movie to watch the movie, don't go back for that, please. All right. Save yourself well, from the, the next, memory. <laughs> the next uh, 20 minutes starts with the couple being shown their room. Uh, and then, uh, the writer is kind of sitting there, he's trying to write, and he kind of hears the kids frolicking a bit. They're, they're frolicking. Uh, then we see the wife is arguing with her husband, and he wants her to, he wants her to do it, and she says to not hit her again, and she will, and then she starts to get undressed and poses as she has flashbacks of an assault that happened on her from her husband. This is fucked, right? Yeah, it's, um, that's a... That's a pretty severe scene uh, that you're seeing because, yeah, it is not good. Not even a little. I mean, it's well-crafted, yes, but it is painful yeah. to watch. Yeah, I mean, not not good as in it's 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 a hard watch because of, oh, just, just 
all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. It's, it's fucking painful as shit. I was having a problem with it and I was wondering if I should like send you trigger warnings about it, you know? No, this part wasn't too badly of a trigger warning for me, but it could be for other people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, just watch yourselves if you're going to watch this because it can, it, it, there's some pretty hardcore assaults. Spanish fucking cinema has a lot of this kind of shit in it. It's really uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah it really is. And this it is really this is, is a Spanish made Giallo, by the way, uh, directed by yeah. Leon Klamowski. So uh, it, it's it, and Klamowski himself actually has a lot of this kind of material in his movies too. Um, and it just it's 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 in Spanish horror uh, and genre movies for sure. I, it might, I don't know if it's like a cultural reason for it to be in there or or what it is, but like they really do try to sell you on the uh, sexiness of her getting naked while showing you how she has been abused and misused and victimized. Yeah, for- yeah and I hate that. Yeah. Ugh. It's uh, it's wrong. It's fucking yeah. wrong. You don't eroticize that kind of shit. Yeah, and that that's what they try to do is eroticize violence like that. Yeah, which isn't good. Yeah, it feels like that is really what they're trying to do. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, gross. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Anyway, uh, oh boy. Yeah. So then the couple, they're nude, just lying around. The, the, the girlfriend of the couple is, she is, uh, very much, uh, she's kind of working out while topless. Um, thank you, movie. Yeah. This is all consensual what's going on in yeah. this room. So this is the first yeah. thank you that we get. They, they go on about how they met on this mountain. That's how they originally met one another and, you know, how, you know, how adorable that was. And then they frolic some more. Uh, and as they're, uh, getting ready for action, we see that, uh, well, and as they're frolicking, we go back, we see the, the once again, the writer is kind of like really listening to them and, and it's kind of creepy. Uh, but then we see like the door open. We see a gloved hand open up the door and then we see the lights go out and they're kind of talking they're like well this is very strange and not good uh so he decides he's gonna go check it out so what he does is he lights a lantern and then he puts on like a he opens up the door first and sees someone walking away so he, he's like i i think i'm gonna scare whoever's out there so he puts on a, a nylon over his he- face that you know carries a lantern out there well he's i instantly want him to die just for being this kind of a jackass yeah yeah this kind of jackassery is just dumb so uh he sees who uh whoever it is they're walking up and he must know them because he looks relieved he takes off the stocking and he kind of just like oh hi how's it going and the person cuts his throat with a razor blade uh killing him have you noticed Uh, how willing and uh helpful the victims are with getting their throats slit by this razor they they really are they they raise up their heads really explode expose the necks for them they they really help out they really want to get killed by this razor (laughs) yeah um it's it has to be acknowledged that uh the victims are willingly popping their necks up i don't know if we're seeing this from the uh killer's perspective or not but like they really are just offering themselves up they are just like hey i don't know if you know this but the human jugular is a great place to murder them (laughs) (laughs) with that razor you currently have in your hand it's like like pop-up video for how to murder somebody pop up um so uh then the killer goes and walks into the lady in the room and slices her up as well that's a pretty that's a pretty brutal murder though that slicing because that's just slice and dicey man not just the throat but everything yeah um, uh when it's when oh, i was watching ahead. it on my projector you could actually just see blood being left behind trails and it didn't actually look like like the, the blade didn't even kind of come clo- 
close, but I understand why uh, because you know yeah. it's a naked woman's body uh, yeah. that they're dragging the razor along. But like the angle or something, it just didn't like you could just totally see the blood just kind of like flopping off of the razor onto the body. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I was having a, yeah. There's a couple of moments like that in the film where I'm really having a hard time suspending my disbelief, and I gotta get myself pulled back into it. But like, there's yeah. just something that's got really been that is really charming about it. Like the 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 sort of can do attitude of everybody that's involved and uh it the couple really does sell being irritating but at the same time like endearing to you right before their death so when their murder happens like the film does build up some goodwill you know like because yeah. you're ready the guy for is it more irritating than the young lady right like you and the way that he dies is quick and just kind of over with and then the yeah. killer very clearly has an issue with unrepressed women the female yeah sexually yeah. sexually uh what's the term i'm Free. looking for sexually free women yeah it definitely has a uh, an issue with that or just a woman who refuses to um bow to standard mores of the day or previous of the past i would say more than anything of like an ancient yeah. long gone era um so that attack is you know the, the idea that it's going to be brutal against her i mean that makes sense as far as the psycho side goes but like i said with her death whenever the razor is dragging not on her face or her neck that stuff all looked pretty believable but it was just when it started like trying to cut her body you could just see like the blood was just basically being sprayed down ah <laughs> uh, yeah i suppose yeah. yeah you could see the seams on his neck wound but the actual sculpt of the wound looked incredible it actually looked pretty realistic huh, nice um well, I always got to critique go. the makeup. You should have been ready for that. Of course you do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the next morning, uh, it's a beautiful morning, and we see the ladies making more statues. So two more statues, to be precise. Okay, we were uh, obviously hinting at it, and we knew that this was where this hits. So now she has five in total, and that makes me wonder who the previous three are supposed to represent. Does it for you as well? Yeah, um, I kind of just thought three people who we never got to see before. But it could also be like there there are a lot of them are colorful statues and then there's one that's just a tall black statue and i always think the tall black statue is going to represent either a death or b her husband i think it is her husband because what he did to her yeah. is her death all right so the tall black one represents her husband the other two she already had made when people got there maybe these aren't the first victims of her crimes oh i don't think so either i think just like in psycho yeah. we only also, knew in psycho we only knew marion crane because we followed her there but clearly norman had been yeah. doing it a while yeah and also the boy even says something later on that we'll get into um so uh, the uh, writer comes down, says he slept like shit. He goes, but I'm, he goes, I'm sure the uh, the couple next door slept really well. And she actually snaps and says, oh, they already took off and stiffed me on the bill. So he's like, oh, that, that sucked. Um, and then he goes, he needs to make a phone call. It's pretty important. So, oh, oh, I'm sorry. And she also says they even took the sheets. So you're like, okay. I mean, obviously she had to get rid of the sheets because she killed that lady on it. So uh, yeah, like Psycho, I'm wondering if maybe this version of her that's here today talking to him is blissfully unaware of just what happened, and that's why she's complaining about the bedding missing as well. Like, is there a part of her just like in Norman Bates? It's Norma Bates, you know. He even screams, yeah. "I'm Norma Bates," as he's attacking as Norma Bates at one point. That 
could be true. Yeah, I, I, I guess you don't know, really, and you never really figure it out. Right. I mean, but, they borrow just enough from Psycho to have a framework yeah. to hang the story they want to tell on it, but, like, they also kind of abandon, and that's one of the threads you're just going to have to, like, is she just, like, basically trying to make an excuse as to why he might find the bed stripped, you know, like, or is she literally venting at this point because in her mind they did steal the bedding because she doesn't know what happened because another part of her did all of this, you know, like. Yeah, you just, you wonder. Yeah, you do. You you have to kind of question that yourself as you're watching it and then realize they're not going to explain it to you, so you need to quickly abandon it as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, that could be very true. And, and it just could be, I mean, there was a lot of censorship and this is Franco Spain when this is shot. So there's a lot of censorship at the time uh, for this kind of shit. So, I mean, yes, when it goes out of country, they allow the nudity and all the other things. But like some parts of this story may have gotten lost in the shuffle because of that, you know, yeah, uh, of cutting and recutting certain things that like um, certain story points may have been objectionable that needed to be removed or whatever. Yeah. No, exactly. And that is very true. He has to go make a call. And the logically, the call is going out to his wife. The phone rings. The wife answers. Uh, you know, they have an operator in between them. Um, and he kind of stares at the phone and then just hangs up like he can't talk to his wife yet. So then the wife actually gets a call from her mom. And she goes, yeah, I haven't heard from him. He just left. No, no, no anything. She's worried about him. And she's like, uh, I think he just tried to call me, but he couldn't talk to me. And then he hung up. Um, so then the writer and our landlady, our in-lady, they talk, and, uh, she really wants him to be comfortable in the house, and he's talking about, yeah, and he, she's like, did you try to call your wife? And he goes, I had to hang up, because he goes, if I told her where I was, she'd come here, and he goes, I don't really want her here yet, and he doesn't want to see her yet, um, so then he, uh, he goes upstairs, shaves, sees her making the bed, and as he's walking down the hallway, he sees dried blood in the hallway, and he thinks that's kind of weird. Um, as he's getting ready to leave, he hears her yelling and talking to her husband again. Um, she, you see then she was shaving her husband, it appears, in the chair, and tells him that, uh, no, she says this, no, not now. She goes, we can do it later, uh, uh tonight. And then you get a flashback to a man, presumably her husband, telling her, that she is his bitch and will do whatever he says. And that ends at 20 minutes. So the little twist that they're doing is that instead of it being a hinted at child, lifelong abuse from the mother and then finally kills the mother and then realizes can't live without them, they're doing a spouse who was sexually and emotionally, as well as physically, abused by her husband who killed him and somehow cannot live without that or that part of her mind is so fractured by what has happened that... um he permanently occupies this space to torment her, I think is the way that they're going about that for the storytelling. Is that what it seems like I, they're hinting at here so far? I, I would say that sounds pretty correct. Yeah. I mean, they come right out and show us essentially that later on, but like they yeah. definitely do a that's good job. Of, getting now. Yeah. But like you definitely understand that's what happened. And they obviously with the horrific assault that happened to her you knew like that you saw hinted at earlier and the fact that she's stripping for a husband that we clearly know is at least dead if there at all and that's his corpse that she's doing that for like she is reliving and trying to deal with 
the horrific trauma of what this man has done to her. And so she's reliving it almost like the repetition behavior where she's trying to work it out and process everything that has happened, you know, in some way, yeah. shape or form. Um, or just that because it's like this, you know, because she's supposed to be mentally ill, then therefore she's going to have these repetitive behaviors that she cannot control or something along those lines with this. So therefore, every time she's around her husband, she's going to have this memory triggered or she really does have his personality in her head now too where she's created it just like in Psycho. I will tell you this, if you want an explanation as to which of the two it is, you can forget that because yeah. you're not going to get it. What you do get is essentially confirmation that that's what you're what you're assuming here, this horrific assault is what put her in this current state. Absolutely. But for beyond that as to whether or not she has a split personality or any of that kind of explanation, you don't really get that. So give up on that side of it and just enjoy the rest of the story to come. Yeah, just in, just enjoy the ride that's going to start coming to you here. Yeah, because they're already kind of going, what if Psycho, but, and then they just keep changing certain things, but it's still very much Psycho's like main through line of the story, uh, as as we've already like discussed several times here. And the big difference that they did is they, they turned it into uh, a woman who was physically and sexually and emotionally assaulted for the entirety of her marriage before she was even married maybe um, from what yeah. they've, they've been hinting at here as well. Uh, we're not 100% sure just yet and that has basically fractured her mind in some way. Uh, we're not sure if she knows that she's doing the killing or not or what, <laughs> but very that's pretty much where the psycho comparison begins and end with that after this. Mm. And the yeah, hotel. Pretty much. And the being hotel guests. Yeah. Like, so once you get over the hump of what it actually obviously is doing, it's done enough different stuff to where you're like, well, I'm glad I stuck with it at least for this point. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, at least you made it this far. <laughs> <laughs> and can we cut it with the fucking sexual assault movie god please it would just be so nice uh hint at not outright show yeah hint at yeah so unfortunately they don't listen to you there either. so anyway the uh next 20 minutes start with the writers paddling outside on a lake um and he finds the actual bed sheets in the lake. Well, then we see the kid from earlier. He's swimming up, so the writer paddles over to them. We cut to a guy. He's coming out of a store with a couple bottles of wine. His car pretty much sucks. He's trying to start it. Uh, he's with his mistress. Uh, or at least that's what we're led to believe because they're, you know, they are definitely not married because they make mention of his wife and they take off and you're like, well, there's victims three and four. <laughs> right. We're like, yeah, they're going to end up at the hotel and they are clearly going yeah. to die. Yeah. Uh, the writers uh, now here we go with the maybe one of the creepiest points of this movie. The writer's talking to the kid, and the kid says, uh, you know, he's asking the kid why, why he's always staring at the place. And the kid says, a lot of weird people go up into that house, and he's just something that he always wants to check out. And the guy is actively helping the kid dry off after swimming. He also carefully plucks grass off of him. Yeah. And is very familiar with how he is touching his shoulders and helping him, clean, like you said, like helping him dry off and stuff. Like, it gets real fucking uncomfortable comfortable real fast yeah 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 
real fucking weird. Real weird. I mean, like, if that's a dad to his young son helping him clean off after swimming, maybe. It's not yeah. his dad. Or like a uncle that's, or even like no, a... No, I, I mean, even an uncle would be weird, and he's not even an uncle, which means it's really fucking weird. Yeah. At least to me. Maybe things were different. This was out in Spain, right? This was made in Spain? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe things were different in Spain in 1978. I, I guess. Or in the 1970s. Yeah, but like, maybe it's still a man, like, putting his hands on a child in a very familiar way and having very serious conversations with him at the same time and it feels like we're watching a grooming starting to happen with this kid i, I completely and utterly agree with you i'm just telling you maybe devil's advocate around here but <laughs> yeah and it, I, I, I i completely agree that i'm weirded the fuck out yeah and the way the character is looking at the kid he's way more interested with the kid than he was with the woman that was flirting with him and pampering him kind of and he looks like a yeah. fucking creep too the way that they got his hair done and the way that he dresses with the ascots and stuff he just screams like get him away from that kid this whole time i mean like it's really fucking uncomfortable and like i really feel like the movie's leaning into this especially the we're gonna see this kid once again at the end but like this got super uncomfortable super fast that like when the kid started getting dressed i literally said out loud oh thank god yeah same i was like <laughs> Can we get out of this scene, like, now, please? (laughs) Thank you for not making me see what I thought I was going to have to watch, movie. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, movie, but holy shit. (laughs) Because it would have been a major fuck you, I rage quit movie if you did. I I even have a note here that says, Court and I will have to discuss this scene in mass. Because, not because of what's really spoken, more the implication of the actions happening. Right. But I guess you can't go with the word spoken. You know, the kid says a lot of weird people go up there. The guy asks, hey, am I a weird person? He goes, no. He goes, but where's your wife? Are you, do you have a wife? He goes, yeah. He goes, well, where is she? She's not here. And he goes, why? Most people come up here with their wives. Why didn't you? And he says, if my wife is here, I cannot rest. So let's just get his words out of the way before we go back to how fucking creepy that was. (laughs) Yeah. So here is where we know that he's definitely trying to escape his wife for some reason. Um, But the statement of him not being able to rest with his wife there doesn't necessarily have a negative connotation because their love life might be so hot and heavy that he can't get any work done and or rest at all for real love life or she could you know uh, you know he might not be able to find restful creative times with his wife around right or maybe for whatever the various reasons are or maybe he is so henpecked and he hates his fucking life so bad he ran away from her and is just trying to hide out in a hotel where no one will ever find him that yeah that could also be yeah very good yeah we don't we don't really fucking know but what we do know is he's being extremely inappropriate with this child in ways that make us feel very uncomfortable but it could be the culture and time we just don't know but god don't know damn it's really uncomfortable he never gets creepy with a kid again after this so again this is something that the movie will not pick up on that's why i say maybe this is just something what the culture was back then in in spain well there is a moment at the end of the film that we need to talk about involving him and the kid as well but we'll get there when we get there we'll get there and i i don't know how creepy that is but i mean i guess we'll get there when we get there but again i'm just saying physicality wise i, I you know he never gets it, in I, close I, proximity physically to the kid again yeah yeah there you go all right Ugh, fucking Jesus. on film yeah yeah we can totally say on that film. yeah 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 
Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, let's move on. This is fucking uncomfortable. Yeah, all right. Well, then we cut to that couple who was driving while the car breaks down. Just like the foreshadowing said, because he said his car was a piece of shit. So he's trying to fix it, and she's kind of up there. They start then making out against the car. And the writer Oh, they're straight up fucking. Are they? Do you think they're fucking yet? I don't know if they're fine. I thought they were just like really doing some heavy petting, though. There's definitely some hands action going on on both cases, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's over the pants hand stuff, at least on one side of it. As the dude's like fucking gnawing on her neck, she sees the writer who's just kind of like staring and has a weird ass look on his face. Anyway, um, he comes up and the writer offers to help out and they push the car up to the end. The writer, he's going to go tell her, and when he goes back into the little stairwell that goes up to her apartment, uh, he hears her screaming at a cat and, like, throws a cat in there and yells at the cat about, you know, stay with its owner. And you're like, holy shit, leave that cat alone, lady. That cat didn't do nothing to nobody. Yeah, uh, Um, fuck this part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then uh, he uh, tells the lady that uh, about the two people. And then we cut to the two people. They're in, like, the main room. And the one lady, she loves the dolls. She loves them. Thinks it's the coolest thing. And so the landlady comes down. She meets the folks. She doesn't like them already. She especially doesn't like the lady because she's like, hey, and I noticed how that lady was looking at you, too. So I'm talking to the writer. So she's already kind of, she's showing some jealous tendencies as well. Um, She said she will allow them to stay. Uh, the mistress says, maybe later I can buy a doll from you. They are so precious. I love them. And she's like, and she's really trying to kiss the lady's ass. She wants to be the lady's friend. Well, she's trying to be really nice, actually. I mean, yeah, she's a little irritating. And yes, she is dressed very gaudy and very flashy. And her dress is cut all the way up. And to the hananana. Right. A very provocative slip. Yeah. And also, it's very low cut at the top of it. It is quite the dress to attract attention. Absolutely. And the woman's a bit of a prude about all of this kind of stuff. She doesn't like sex for obvious reasons, but she, you know, is uh, very upset about this woman's um, ability to enjoy her sexuality. Like, it, it becomes this thing that she finds very resenting. And I think the other couple, because they were so happy together and they were just basically really having a good time and enjoying each other's company. I think that's what she found so offensive was that they were actually like happy and like it yeah. was a, it was like a healthy relationship. Also they were not she she asked if those two were married and he said no. And he even classified themselves as friends, and that kind of had her shot. Yeah, the non-traditional relationship, that upset her as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and that could have been why she killed them, too. Um, there's whatever it is that is her trigger having to do with sexuality and or morality or whatever it's supposed to be. I mean, it's all over the place, which is actually pretty realistic for a person with this kind of deep trauma and also with someone that is in fact just a psychotic killer i mean like their justifications for killing people go all over the place i mean i know i can come up with several i mean um whoa hey you all right there buddy everything okay yeah 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 sorry sorry um yeah yeah little, blanked out on me for a second little, there. little too much sharing apparently uh yeah. not as much caring sharing as what i thought it was always caring yeah all right i've just learned that uh but basically what, I, what i'm getting at here is the reason that she's reacting to this woman is she is basically just she's got it she is flaunting it and she is unforgiving about it and she is bubbly and happy and not being punished for a lifestyle that the main uh antagonist woman does not agree with 
And she's yeah. also not wrong in the horrid assumption that she makes when she talks to the writer and says she doesn't like her because she thinks she's a prostitute because she's yeah. dressed like one is what she says. She's dressed. Yeah. And, and, and we find out later she's very right. <laughs> but we'll get to that in a second. Right. Um. So later on that night, the uh, lady and the writer are having coffee and he talks how the quiet is such a relief. Uh, it's it's a relief from the city stresses and modern day stress. She talks about how the quiet, she's tired of all this peace and quiet. And she's sick of her her paralyzed husband. And and she's like, am I crazy? And he's talking to her and he puts a hand on her knee. And he's like, no. He goes, you're not crazy. And then he said something kind of misogynist. He goes, you're just kind of a woman. And then before he's going to say anything else, they kind of make this eye contact moment. And he feels like the uncomfortableness like uh i'm getting a little too you know uh, forward intimate with this person yeah. who's also married and i'm married so he says he has to go to work and he gets up to go to work okay so um, what he's been doing this entire time is he's been playing this game of chicken with himself to see if yeah. he is essentially done with his marriage right like i think that's what he's been playing around with and i think it's in kind of yeah and i think it's in that moment he comes to the realization where he's like i don't need to be playing this game anymore and he wants to go clear his head. Yeah, especially, and I think he also, I mean, I think deep down he's kind of a good person or at least has some moral standard because he also is like, this is also another person's wife and not just any, like, not a regular person as far as he knows, but at least a person who is invalid and stuck someplace. Yeah. And he's like, that's that's a real dick move. <laughs> yeah, that could also be as well. I, I don't know what his actual morality is, but I think it is that, that may be that he knows that he can't do it for that reason as well. But I really do think it's... It's just he was playing a game of chicken with himself because he and his wife were clearly having some issues and he needed to work that out. And now he knows for sure. But I still think yeah. he knows also that there's something wrong with the woman. So he shouldn't do it anyway. Like he was strong enough to realize that although crazy is really fucking good in bed, sometimes it's not worth your life. Yeah. He don't want to stick his dick in that crazy. Um, <laughs> the mashed potatoes are a better option at this point. Pretty much, right? That's a great party, too, from what I hear. Um, so then we cut to, like, everyone's evening kind of thing. Um, and uh, the we see the lady. She's preparing. A, uh, the innkeeper lady. She's preparing a nice little chicken, cutting its head off. Uh, not a live chicken. This chicken's already dead. So um, then we see the... Uh, couple and they decide they're gonna go upstairs and get down to the business uh they go to get in the room they strip down uh the lady strips down so it's all consensual everything's all right so thank you movie <laughs> yeah uh she's a little spitfire of a woman too isn't she she is she she uh she really is um it's it's nice <laughs> the way uh, that she strips down and presents her body lets you know right away that her character yeah. is in fact a professional at doing this like you already yeah, know what's she, going on she is a sex worker which is totally valid a totally valid way of making money and living your life <laughs> it's also a totally valid way of spending your money matt there's no need to defend yes and it also is a to it's a valid way of doing making or spending money uh, it's the type of commerce that we can get behind if you know what i mean and i think you do boom uh, so anyway, the uh, door opens. We see the killer gloves, but then the killer closes it. 
Well, the couple are hanging out after uh, doing their fucking and they're having some drinks in bed. They're having some post-fuckery drink. And then she pretty much, she starts getting up, but she puts on clothes first. And that's when she makes first bed. She's like, show's over. And she gets dressed and says, now I want my money. So he has to pay her. So yeah, she's a, uh, she's, she's, she's a prostitute. Uh, so anyway, she says she's going to go to the bathroom. He says he's going to go run out and get some cigarettes and gets dressed. And he heads out to his car. While in his car, we see the killer's hand show up and slashes his neck and kills him. And that ends that 20 minutes and will lead us into the final 20 minutes. He's the biggest defender for stretching his neck for his killer. Like, after yeah, the he, shame of paying the prostitute and then running out for his cigarettes, he just willingly sacrifices his life to the killer. Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> no, of course, like, they're trying to get it into the shot and make it look good, but I think they needed to yeah. trim it a little bit more or something. That just wasn't right. There's something off about it. Yeah, 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 right? It's just like, what, what, what's, what's that happening there? Yeah. <laughs> So the lady is a sex worker and the guy even says to her that can't she just keep pretending like, you know, it's like, no, dude, you need to pay the piper, especially if you're expecting her to spend the weekend. You do need to start, you know, incentivizing hey, you gotta, you gotta that. You got to pay some. You got to pay up, man. You got to pay to play. Yeah, you cannot you gotta know the scene. <laughs> you cannot, in fact, rack up the bill for the entirety of the weekend and expect to be able to just cash out. You she ain't fucking you because she loves you. Yeah. Right? You're doing it to get paid. You need to pay at least the day rate because she's probably got somebody else she's got to throw money back to as well because let's face it most prostitutes have to deal with pimps yeah yeah probably yeah i don't know one this one's sassy enough makes me think she's running her own <laughs> yeah i'm kind of rooting for her she's uh she's, yeah, me too. she's got the proverbial heart of gold i'm guessing for yeah it seems like it. She seems like a great time. Yeah. It, it seems like she just likes sex and she knows that she can make money doing it. So she's like, why not make it my career? Because then I love what I do. Anyway, we're going to the final 20 minutes. Our mistress of the evening, uh, she walks out and asks the lady if she's seen the dude. And the lady's like, no, I haven't. But I know he was looking for cigarettes. She goes, oh, well, he keeps them in his car. She goes outside, but the car's gone. She comes back inside and she asks the lady, how long would it be? To go back into town. She's like, both ways, it's two hours. You know, so... If you're walking. Uh, I think at this... Yeah, if you're walking. I think at this point, she thinks the dude went to go push the car to town or something. You know what I mean? To get fixed. Yeah, and I think she thinks that he just resents the fact that she broke his fantasy world. Made him, yeah. Yeah. And made, made him, him pay up. Because he even asked, can we forget for... Can you forget that you're a prostitute? And she's like, no. Why would I? And I don't want you to forget either. And I was like, go, go. You go get him. Go get him, ma'am. You tell him. You tell him what the fuck's going on. <laughs> tell, tell him the fucking score. <laughs> right. I'm sure everyone who doesn't want to pay would like the prostitute to forget that she's a prostitute and pretend like she actually wants to sleep with your disgusting ass. Yeah. She then goes upstairs, pretends she's going to go to her room, but she actually walks into the writer's room. And she makes it be, oh, these doors all look the same. And then she starts talking to him. Um, she says she thinks the dude went to town to get the car fixed. She starts hitting on the writer pretty hard. And he's like, yeah, I got to work. And she goes, well, I know you like the woods, though. And he's, and she's like, I saw how you're staring at me in the woods. And he stares off and he goes, I do love the woods. And she's like, all right. She goes, I'm going to go to the woods and I'll be waiting for you there. So come find me. Then we see the cat. And the cat lets out a worried and distressed meow. So, um, you know, 
we kind of, you know, know something bad's about to happen. Yeah, the cat senses something because animals sense evil. As she waits outside, the killer shows up and cuts her face. She runs, and we get a bit of a chase, but the killer, of course, catches up and kills her. So I really wanted this lady to make it. Yeah, it was a bummer. I I was really not happy about that, and the killer also does mutilate her body after death as well. Yeah, and you're just kind of mad about it. Because she was was a nice lady. For all intents and purposes, she seemed, yeah, the hooker with the heart of gold. (laughs) She seemed great. Yeah. she... She seemed like a real friendly person, too. (laughs) <laughs> right. I mean, yes, she was all business minded after having to sleep with, uh, you know, that guy that was so cheap. He <laughs> was trying well, to mean, talk her out of paying. Yeah. And, and OK, uh, but I mean, she asked for the money, but she, she she gave him a lot for that. And then she was even nice to the innkeeper lady, the copper telling her how much she loved her dolls and all that. She just seems like a nice lady. And she seems like, you know. She was getting ready to give the writer a a free ride. Oh, I think she just liked the writer. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think she just found him interesting. Because apparently that's what Prime A Man looks like in this movie's universe. Is that guy. (laughs) Yeah, I don't I don't fucking know. I don't get it either. Yeah. I don't get it either. I and I'm not one to try to comment on another guy's looks because I mean uh, I'm me. But I'm just saying. (laughs) Look, I feel like I shouldn't ugly shame him, but I just don't get it. I don't either. So, um, so anyway, the, um, lady comes into the writer's room and he wakes up and he slept in late. Uh, she asks if he would like some breakfast and he, uh, and they're talking a bit and he tells her he'll play chess with her husband today. She says, well, he didn't sleep well. I'll have to see how he's doing, but he definitely didn't sleep well. And, uh, what was your expectation of him actually just going up to introduce himself and play chess? Like just showing up and that's how he finds the body. Like how? Yeah. I just was like, yeah. He, yeah. That was the thread you were expecting I, too, I, right? I thought the end of this movie was going to be, she was going to bring him up uh, to play chess and she'd be acting all weird about it and everything and he'd finally walk in and yeah he'd see like a dead skeleton in the chair with the chessboard in front of it something along those lines yeah probably like i was expecting something like that it would have to do with him finally going to play chess whether he doesn't do it through the wife or whatever and just goes up on his own or something and that's another thread that just gets dropped after this yeah yeah exactly yeah um, she, uh, said, uh, that the other people, they had already, uh, left. Their car was gone, so they must have left, but she did say that they paid before they left. But he sat there and wondered, but the car wasn't working. How did the car leave? How'd they leave? I mean, he, he, he didn't quite understand that. Well, it makes sense. It doesn't fit with yeah. anything she's yeah. saying at all. Yeah. So at this point, we see the wife, she's driving, and the writer's wife is driving around getting directions. Uh, they have breakfast, uh, the writer and the in lady, and she states that her husband is paralyzed from the waist down. Uh, they both ask if they have any kids, and no, and the writer seems really dejected that he doesn't have kids. And I always thought there's a story maybe there, but the way he says no, like, maybe he had kids, maybe he and his wife had kids, and something happened to the kid, the kid died, S- something like that, or he regrets never having children. Again, nothing we ever revisit. Yeah, just a thread that's thrown out there. Yeah. But the writer states also that he never wants to leave this place. He feels more real out here, more connected. She tells him that she kind of knows what's going on with him, that he's sick of his life. Uh, he's sick, pretty much not the exact words, but this is pretty much what she's saying, is that he's sick of his bullshit friends constantly kissing his ass and his wife, who fucking probably also kisses his ass and everyone acts like he's super God and shit like that. And he's probably sick of it. 
And she's right. He, she's exactly right. He is very sick of it. Um, he even says, my wife's easy. And that's it. That's all we can say about it. Um, they have another moment right before she goes, says she has to go check on her husband. And almost like she has the realization. Like, they have this moment where he's like, he wants to write about her and all this kind of, he really lays it on thick. And then she almost snaps too and goes, I better check on my husband. And she leaves. So they're both playing some emotional chicken around here. Well, I think in her case, um, there is part of her that does want to escape, but that I better go check on my husband is like the Norman hears his mother yelling from afar. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing. Like, I think that's how they're trying to say that trigger. Like somebody's about to die. Cause yeah, I guess that's, that's true. That's true. Uh, and the fact that she is somewhat playing up the idea of running off with him and or doing something amorous with him in the immediate future is what triggered that and why she has to run to go check on her husband. I don't think it's the emotional chicken in her case. I think this is just part of the repeating cycles of dealing with the trauma um, that that's surfacing here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're very right. Uh, a lot of shit to unpack with her mental stability of course which is what Um, really brought me the joy for watching this was like really trying to figure out like the motivations of her character and that really made it more fun to watch yeah true 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 um so then as the writer is walking around outside he actually finds that one couple's car the dude's car uh hidden in a bunch of branches just then his wife pulls up uh he embrace and they go inside and he introduces her to the in lady who is none too happy at all and as those two go upstairs she actually breaks the head off one of her dolls so that's something uh right there and she starts crying so now we're starting to see some real breaks here um so then the uh the couple are kind of laying in bed and they're nude a little bit um she's then we cut to the in lady uh repairing the doll uh, we cut back to the wife and the guy they're laying there and just kind of naked and she's smoking. And she she tells him that uh, uh, maybe he's too wrapped up in his characters and that's why he won't come home. And she's there to always protect him. She even she's like, I loved you when you were a nobody, which sounds awfully like a lot of uh, 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 gaslighting behavior there. I remember I loved you when you were nobody. So, uh, you know, you, you, I'm the only one here protecting you. That kind of shit. Yeah. I don't. Right. Like, I mean, kind of. It does seem that way. Yes. But I think in her case, when she's talking to him, I think she's trying to be genuine where she's trying to be like, look, I, I, I'm not I don't care about the writer part. I before you even yeah. had that. I, that's what I thought she was trying to say. And it just seemed it like could be. maybe the translation just didn't work for us. Like it just and, because when she's saying it, she's actually like really being quite emotional. And um, like the, but the, I think she's overprotective of her husband as well. Well, yeah, that makes and sense. That but could, that could affect a relationship as well when you feel like you're being baby. But she, I mean, he also has been gone for how long now? You know, like yeah. like and she hasn't seen him. So there's a part of her that's got to be desperate to like just that's, just to have some kind of communication just to find out what's going on. So like But it does sound like she still is overprotective. That's why he left. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, I I I just kind of I didn't get the sinister connotation to what she was saying. I think she earnestly was trying to tell him that, you know, whatever happened, you know, she oh. wants to work it out and that's what she was trying to communicate. But I do believe she loves him. I'm sorry. No, I, I don't want to sound like that. I think she loves him in, in like real love. But I think she accidentally switches over almost to Instead of loving him as a husband and in, in somebody, she almost mothers him. 
You know what I mean? Well, which he clearly right. loves because he was being babied by this woman at the motel and loving it though too. Kinda, but I, but I think that woman also challenged him a bit more because he, like he said, my wife is very easy. He said that, so I don't think his wife really provides any stimulating conversation. You know what I mean? It could be. It's hard to really gauge his motivations just based off of the way that she's reacting here. But I feel that she's being genuine, and I don't feel like she's trying to over-explain or um, be gaslighting in the way that she's speaking. I just feel like this was written by a man, and that's why it feels like gaslighting to you. Okay, well, now I can't argue with that. Um, (laughs) Like, I mean, she can't deliver the dialogue any more than how it's written, but I feel like the way that they're trying to portray it is that she's trying I just also went with her face because her face kind of looked almost sinister in a way. You know what I mean? (laughs) Well, yeah, she's the evil wife coming back. We're supposed to see her that way. I guess. Yeah. Okay. I I don't know, man. Uh, Listen, don't put words in my fucking mouth. (laughs) I'm not. Just going off of things I'm watching. All right. Um, You're not wrong. At first, when she comes back, she's off-putting, and you do feel that way. But I do think that she's trying to win him back. I, I, I believe she does love him. That that not that she's using him or anything, but I believe she could be overprotective of him uh, to the point where he no longer feels like he has a partner, but something else. But anyway, he does say he goes, "I don't think I need protection," and she goes, "Wow." She goes, "This escape has made you different." She says, and then she says, "Maybe it's this innkeeper lady," and she goes, "Don't worry, I'll make you forget all about her." And they start going at it. We cut to the inn lady; she's crying. We cut back to the couple; they're boning. Uh, the dude's pretty much like, he's just perma-hard. Apparently, he, he just can't come right now. Uh, maybe too much on his mind. But they are boning. And then they start to hear a commotion upstairs, and they hear the inn lady screaming, uh, that she wants to be left alone to her husband. Well, he goes to check it out, and, uh, he goes, he walks up to one of the rooms, and he finds the room where it's supposed to be her apartment in complete disarray. Well, then we see the inn lady she comes into the writer's room with a razor. The wife is kind of hiding behind a dresser, and she watches as the inn lady just carves the bed up. She then sees the wife and starts walking up to her, and the inn lady, the actress, did these great fucking crazy eyes. It scared the shit out of me. Yeah, and while she's actually doing the carving and uh, the motions that she's making, there's something very unnatural about what she's doing, and it just feels like the way that she's able to do it with such reckless abandon, like I was worried the actress was going to injure her own hands the way she's grabbing at things and slashing at the same time to rip it apart. Like, it's a really emotional performance, and I think if nothing else won me over, it was at this point where I'm I'm like, okay, well, at least this actress is really giving her all in this performance because this was incredible. I'll tell you, all the actors really did. Everyone who acted in this movie acted pretty well. Yeah. But yes, this lady in particular right now, she she really kind of, she, she, she blows this one up. So this was really good. Right before she cut the throat, the writer comes in. The in lady sees him. She starts to cry. She runs away and locks herself into a bathroom. Uh, the writer's trying to knock and get in, and this makes her flashback to when she was hiding in a bathroom and her husband was trying to get in. He walks away, starts counting, says she's going to be real trouble if she doesn't come out. She counts, she comes out, she sits on a bed, and he starts trying to bone her, but she does not want it. She does not want to have sex, and he's trying to force her. Uh, she scratches him, and he gets real mad, and she runs into the bathroom, and he chases her in there. This is when he has that scene where he's like, I made a vow to myself that you were my bitch and you would do what i said you know whatever i wanted well at this point uh she grabs the razor and she defends herself she cuts his throat uh he falls into the bathtub 
you know, throat cut, all that. She turns the shower on to, you know, wash off the body or whatever. And we cut right back to the present. And the writer is able to get into the bathroom, ask for the razor. She hands it to him. And uh, then uh, we cut to, we see she's sitting in the husband's chair that she always talked to. She is wearing her killer clothes. This is a turtleneck, a sport coat gloves you know the killer's gloves and she's petting the cat and she's actually talking to herself she's talking as if she is her husband saying we're we went too far this time uh we're definitely going to be you know uh punished for this all that so we can see she is gone the writer comes up with some police officers and they arrest her and they take her away the couple's driving back and the wife's like i can't believe you know how terrible that must have been for her her husband lived in her head this whole time the writer's kind of jerking around she goes trying to get cigarettes here let me help you she goes to one of his pockets but she pulls out the razor blade the writer gives a creepy ass smile sees the boy waving goodbye on the side of the road he does a creepy wave there uh but uh they wave and uh, she's still staring at him and roll credits Okay, I know she gives him the razor and he must have put it in his pocket or whatever and he still had it. But the creepy smile that he gives at the end that now he has the razor. I mean, it's really bizarre. And then the way he looks at the kid and then smiles after all that weird interaction that they had and the way the kid smiles back at him and then the wave back and forth. Like, it just feels like there's something more on the horizon about to happen that's pretty awful. And it involves him coming back for this kid. Can you give me my impression of it? Yeah, go right ahead. It's going to be weird. I think this guy just has a creepy face. So every smile he gives looks creepy. And we're in a creepy moment because he's holding that that razor. But what I think actually happens is this. He did have intense writer's block. This whole thing has given him a whole new book to write. And so when she has the razor blade, he's smiling because he has his story. Then he sees the kid waving and he waves at the kid goodbye because... You know, the, the kid and him were friendly with one another. I get it. His face is fucking creepy. I think that's just his fucking face, unfortunately. Uh, but I think he's smiling because he's got his next book, where he didn't know where that book was going to come from. That's why he left home. He had all his bullshit friends who did nothing but kiss his ass, and he couldn't figure out a story to figure out, yeah, I think you're exactly right. He had no more inspiration. He was tapped dry of fucking ideas, and now he has one. And everybody was just telling him everything he came up with was fucking brilliant, yeah. and he knew it was shit, and he had to get and away from it. And he knew it was going to be shit, and like it, it, that he would fail. And he also knows he has no real friends. They're all glad-handers, which means when that whatever he was writing that they thought was great inevitably failed, they'd all go away. You know, he, he knew he could only trust himself, and that's probably why he tried to get away. Because his wife also, as you said, and I agree with you. She doesn't care about the writer. She just loves the man. Well, then she doesn't really care about his his career either or what makes a good book, that kind of shit. So No, she'll just tell him what he wants to hear because she wants yeah, to love him and support him. Exactly. So he knew he had to get away. And now he has this story. This whole so and I still think a lot of his disturbing looks while being in the hotel was because it wasn't helping him. He wasn't getting a story. And the reason they didn't want to leave because he felt so real there is because it was actually the exact opposite. It wasn't real for him. And the longer he stayed away from the city, the longer he had to forget that he has this tremendous writer's block. And, and maybe not even writer's block. He has a story, but it wasn't a good story. It wasn't going to make a good book. And he knew it. And the longer he stayed away, the more he didn't have to face that reality. 
But now he can head back, smile in his face, because he knows he has a banger of a fucking story ready to go. Yeah, I mean, obviously this is going to make for one hell of a story, and he actually lived it, so, I mean, he can really milk it for all it's worth for promotion and things like that. But I do, I feel like he did go out here for some kind of a story, and the reason he kept engaging with the woman the way that he was is because he was actually going to, because he even tells her eventually that he could write a story about her, you know, at one point when he's trying to cheer her up, and I think he's been doing that all along. I think he broached the subject to try and see if it would be okay to do. I think you're exa- I think you're right. I think you're exactly right. Yeah. And that's why I I like I just feel like maybe somebody like the directions that were at the beginning that I thought was a woman's voice, I thought it was like his publisher telling him about this weird awful experience she had staying at this hotel out in the middle of nowhere. And he's going yeah. to basically get that like a bit of inspiration, you know, go stay there too and see what it jars him loose or see what kind of weird story he can tell or just weird cor- character flaws he can, you know, make note of that he can add to other characters or something like that i feel like that's why he went there initially and then i just feel like this mystery and the murder that happened the more that it unraveled because he just basically stumbles into it at the back half of the film like he totally is unaware of it and blissfully so of uh, things that are going on but he just kind of stumbles onto something more sinister happening and it's about the time that his wife gets there that really he starts to really suspect something i mean he does find blood in the hallway but he just kind of shakes it off as to something else because like it's like really diluted and it doesn't quite look like blood anymore. It just kind of touches it and it's like no. it's like this brownish blackish shit where it just looks like the floor didn't get cleaned right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But I mean, yeah. And like I said, I th- but I think you're exactly right on all these fronts, but I think that's why he has that fucking bullshit smile when he's leaving. Um it's the fact that he now can continue his career well of course of course that's what the filmmakers are intending it to be but it doesn't feel like that at all when you're watching it you just get even more creeped out by the guy what it doesn't help is that every smile that guy gives is a creepy fucking smile because he's got a creepy fucking face (laughs) and i feel so horrible saying that but he does he just creeps me out so bad yeah he's just yeah no i don't like it saying it either but i'm just spitting straight facts here right (laughs) (laughs) my only hope is that this gentleman has already passed on so that he never hears us talk about him like this yeah i'm sure he did i mean that motherfucker was he was old when they made this (laughs) he was old when they made this and I wasn't even born yet, and I'm old now, so fuck. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Decades yeah. ago. Yeah, he's been gone for a while. We're, we're, we're good. We don't have to worry about hurting his feelings. <laughs> no, no, his fifis are well turned to dust by now. Yeah, and if people find him attractive, then I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings? How about this? Uh, we didn't hurt your feelings because we're not judging your attraction for him. If that's what you're into, I ain't, listen, man, I ain't here to yell at you about it. Just not for me. Not really a murder mystery in this film. Uh, it feels more like what we really have is basically what we got with Psycho, where you know what's happening the entire time. You know who the killer is the entire time. Uh, although in Psycho, the first time you watch it, you obviously don't know exactly. Yeah. You just know that it's someone in the house. And there's no way that it could be the old lady, even though they keep making you think it's supposed to be the old lady. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> right. Um, 
it's kind of more along the lines of, yeah, not such a murder mystery. It's who's going to be left alive. Like, who's going to survive this? Yeah. And there are still... more of what this is. There are still Gialli that I would say uh, have that for their framework for their possible murders as well. Um, we definitely have the, uh, not necessarily perverse, but definitely have the severe sexual situations that are happening in the film. Uh, there are definitely some risque things like the guy taking a prostitute out for the weekend to pay her to pretend to be his mistress. Um, I'm, I'm sure that that had some kind of connotation negative towards him at the time um, for doing such a thing. <laughs> yeah, um, of course. I, I could definitely do without all of the fucking sexual assault and the physical abuse that happens. I get that we needed to establish what caused this woman to be as uh, violent as she does end up becoming. Um, but I just, I don't know, man. Like I feel like a lot of that was trying to basically sell that as titillation and sexual situations as well and it's just fucking straight up rape which is the opposite of sexual yeah yeah exactly way opposite so yeah and that was some rough the rough scenes were rough to watch man yeah well like i said before it does end up in giallo uh and unfortunately sexual assault ends up being a motivation for revenge for crimes sometimes in some jolly as well and sometimes your hero just fucking jokes about raping a woman too because that happens in strip nude for your killer and then sometimes i think your hero is about to go do it right at the end of the film too like in strip nude for your killer yeah it's gross i'll probably make sure you never watch that thank you (laughs) yeah if i am gonna cover it someday i'll make sure i cover it with somebody else and give you a break uh yeah but yeah it's the the actual filmmaking itself is really excellent all of the outdoor shots when they're in the uh, pastoral strolls or on the lake or any of that stuff looked incredible. Uh, the exterior of the building looked great. Um, it's just that god-awful room that we spend so much time in with the paneling. Uh, the sex scenes were um, actually pretty risque and erotic for Franco's Spain at the time, even though they were shot for an external market, obviously. But uh, yeah. man, there was some uh, serious male nudity in this film. You're going to watch him complain about how he can't come as he shakes that ass in your yeah. face on screen. Uh- yeah, he's 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 get perma hard problems. So <laughs> Yeah. And while the story definitely has some things that we definitely had some issues with, they do enough other interesting things and try to attempt some other parts of the story with it that uh I found it really kind of redeeming that I was just like, Yeah, you gotta get over the fact that it's an obvious psycho ripoff for the most part, but they hang some other stuff to it. And you know, I give Tapama a break for all the stuff he steals from some- fucking Hitchcock so why not give Klamowski and this crew a little break (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you you definitely feel the budget um, in this too uh, where they're spending so much time in certain rooms and everything like that as well but um, when they do spend the money they spend it really well and I I really did enjoy this film and uh, it was a nice surprise and hey it's just another one of those uh, forgotten Gialli box set entries for our Giallo January and uh, I would say yeah it's still a pleasant surprise so far so two for two as we go yeah, two for two as we're going. Oh, I also decided to add an extra week. So, like, I know January is not going to have one of the weeks, but we're actually recording on a day that's still in January. It just won't come out till after January. Oh, okay. So, so there you go. Yeah, Giallo January is going to leak into February a little bit. Giallo February. <laughs> all Giallo all the time. No, there are already oh, podcasts that do is, that. We it's, can't. It's Cinema Giallo. <laughs> actually that was cinema diabolica man they were oh, really yeah, yeah. fucking good at it too 
<laughs> of course. All right, so are we done? We're done talking about this. We're done. Yeah, yeah. We hit two hours. I'm thinking we just call it quits for the night. What do you Let's think? Let's call it a guy. We got. We, we can save more news for next time. Maybe when we don't go into stuff so much. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of stuff to unpack in the film as well. It was uh, way more than last week. Yeah, and we to, to, to go into. We definitely have a lot of fucking shit that we need to talk about NFTs in the news because there's a lot of NFT news that made it into our group. Thankfully, yes. So that's good. <laughs> we'll just we'll just tickle the balls for that for next week. Uh, Howling Wolf, we won't get to have on the Pirate Radio edit. So we're just going to go right into the Ending Legion promo. And right after that, we'll have Infected by Bad Religion. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found. infected would feel as dark as it fucking did after doing the review but it certainly fucking does because it really does fit in with the discussion of the shit that was happening in this movie holy shit another a song that i've actually heard before that. <laughs> yeah a song that i'm sure i have played for you before as well because i definitely be, uh... i probably played that bad religion song way more fucking times than i should have my lifetime including <laughs> on this show if you'd like to find the uh, other 334 previous instances where I've played Infected by Bad Religion on this show. I haven't. I'm just making a segue. 
Uh, that would be available at our main landing and or launching page, legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops dash podcast. That's really a lot to say in one breath. But yeah, I honestly don't think I've ever actually played Infected on the show before, but I know I have played that at least for you before. But I've, I mean, I've heard that song before too, even before you, or I mean, even before like you playing it for me. Well, yeah, Bad Religion was like fucking everywhere. So I mean, yeah. that's not hard yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, so I'm like, I'm, if I've heard of it, and I've heard of that song, then I'm sure like everyone else has heard of that song. <laughs> Everybody and their brother and their sister. That's right, because yeah. I don't go searching for music. It has to be put in front of me. <laughs> Quite literally. And you can find our memes on Instagram. Oh. I'm not even going to fucking segue. I'm just going to say it. You can find our memes on Instagram, cinema underscore psyops. Our memes. <laughs> being the relative word everyone memes are for the people comrades (laughs) yeah i mean it's not like they have any other kind of intrinsic value like they're unfungible or some bullshit i mean you can just screenshot them and take them yeah pretty much just i mean hey everyone welcome to the fucking meme party i guess (laughs) yes and if you would like to get on my case for using the word fungible once again and taking pot shots at nfts once again when we didn't even do the news but i'm teasing the balls about how we're gonna do nft news eventually you can tweet at me that whole entire weird ass diatribe that i don't even know where i was going with it Uh, yeah what the hell were you talking about it on the twitter (laughs) but that's enough dick teasing all right (laughs) to the fucking point i'm at court (laughs) underscore psyop i got stuck in a loop and i had to wait till I came back around to get off. All right. I mean, hey, can we stop talking about dick teasing and getting off and just fucking get to the point? <laughs> well, one of the places you actually can probably talk very openly about dick teasing and getting off is our Facebook group, Cinema Psyops, but be careful how you phrase it because we don't want you to get sucked. Yeah, because you, you, you could get sucked pretty good. Yeah, we won't judge it's- you. We, as long as everything yeah. you're doing is talking about with people with consent and all of that kind of shit, we won't judge you. Just, you know, make sure you, you know, wash your hands afterwards. But yeah, right. Facebook yeah. tends yeah. to mean, be prudes. So. That's just that's just health for health purposes. Yeah, but Facebook tends to be prudes about stuff. So, you know, yeah, just don't get sucked is all we're saying when you're yeah, in our Facebook group. They're all group. pieces of shit. And that's where our memes show up there, by the way, is also in the Facebook group. I also share it to my main timeline, Court Psyops, or you could just follow or like the page, Cinema Psyops, I guess, and that's that's where you'll get the memes right away then. Yeah, yeah, you'll definitely get those memes right then and there. <laughs> and if all of this is completely confusing to you, also you have no idea what the fuck is going on, and all you ever really want to do is type up an email, I'm available at cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com. You are. You are readily available for all those things. <laughs> and while you're out there trying to figure out exactly what those things are, the court is readily available for. Kick the fuck out of this well, weekend. Make it your bitch. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. All right, you hear that? Yep, I heard that. All right, go ahead and start recording on your side then. I am recording. One, two, three. 
everything is coming through the blue snowball microphone thingamajig. Waveform looks good then? Yeah, waveform looks great. All right, I'm going to have to put on my fucking game face when we actually start the show. I'm having a really yeah. fucking shit day. I'm in a really bad fucking mood. So this is going to be acting of epic fucking proportion, and when people finally hear this shit, they're going yeah. to think that I'm setting this up, that it's a fucking work, that there's no way that I could turn it on and pretend like I was this fucking happy for the I show. I was going to say, man, you don't sound so great. I'm in a good mood for once this time around. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, my day actually went right a little bit. Yeah, no, I literally everything. I, I mean, I got fucking, I skinned a chunk out of my hand oh. on my, my ring finger carrying fucking cardboard today. It's been that kind of day. Oh, fuck. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was going to be that kind of day. Last night, I was taking out some trash. You know, we had four people in this fucking house. Four yeah. adults, or five adults, really, because an adult now and so we have an exorbitant amount of trash and i was taking it all out last night right before bed and i kind of just flipped my shoes on didn't really secure them just fucking face planted out on my concrete stairs and just went took it all right on my right knee and i was oh i thought today was gonna be the shits and actually believe it or not my knee's fine and for once work actually didn't try to actively fuck me into oblivion so i was like hey look at all that well, to quote the immortal words of Christian Bale before we start the show, Oh, good for you! <laughs> don't worry. I, don't worry. I'm almost under the impression that tomorrow's going to double fuck me at work. <laughs> uh, fuck, life just wants to double fuck you every other fucking day. It really does. And like, you know, listen, if you want to DP me, that's fine. But fucking get my consent. I'm just starting it there. That's, that's... Is that going to be a clip? <laughs> So, no, it'll be an outtake. You should have already realized. That's how little of a shit I'm giving right now. <laughs> Dude, I got. I did do one thing. Bought me a brand new gamer chair, desk chair, so I can sit comfortably now without noises. <laughs> well, that's sweet of him. Takes off his driving gloves because why wouldn't you have driving gloves? Uh, do you ever feel like you want to buy a pair of driving gloves for like a long drive? I have driven for a long time, and I have never really wanted to be wearing gloves during that time. Me neither. I wonder why that was a thing back then. It's still a thing for driving some people gloves. too. Like driving gloves are a thing for yeah. people. They are. They really are. But it just—it's never been my thing. Per never se. my thing either. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, never need gloves to drive. Like even like in the winter when it's cold and I'd get in the car and the car even the car's freezing. I and I was like wearing gloves going out to the car. I take the gloves off to drive. For some reason, I need to feel my flesh on the steering wheel. Like I feel like I have more control that way. I don't know. Hmm. See, I don't need that if I need to keep my hands warm. But yeah. Otherwise, I just have never really had a drive for uh, driving gloves. However, when I was a kid, like, you know, like eight, seven, eight years old, I needed those fingerless biker gloves whenever I would ride my bicycle. Well, of course, that means you're badass. Uh, have you never seen every other goddamn middle school kid movie where the kids ride their bikes and the badass one always has the fingerless gloves? Yeah, exactly. That's why I needed oh, them. Of course. Hold on. No. <laughs> Sorry. Jesus. Oh, Sorry about that. Yeah, we've seen memories within Miss Aggie. We know how this is going to yeah. go, only without yeah, the pornography, exactly. unfortunately. Well, that's sad. Why? I mean, why do you have to break that for me already? I mean, they get close. It gets pretty soft core in this film. It gets, yeah, it does get pretty soft core. They they don't skimp you on a lot of shit. So you know, you're welcome, everyone. Um, uh, yeah, you even get a couple inches of neck in a couple of scenes. Yeah, 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 a couple inches so that necking. All right, Much so like you... any giallo, something that seems to be something that's related to things going on in the movie, but the movie will never touch upon it. <laughs> yeah, abandoned threads are very giallo. You are not wrong. I mean, that is the one thing. I've watching giallos. The whole time I've watched giallos is this. 
never try to concentrate on something that you think is going to become important in the movie, because it's just most likely probably fucking not. <laughs> it's, just, it's probably just going to be its own fucking thing. It was just there. It's almost like the, the movie, by the end of it, it's the movie director's telling you, oh, fuck it, you nerd. Don't look so much into it, all right? Just enjoy yourself, dick. That's often the case. You are correct, but there are a handful of jelly, and uh, if I know that they are one of them, I will give you a warning of like, no, you you need to obsess over the okay, details. They, it will be you know important. What? I, I still do obsess over the details. I know exactly what you were talking about. I always keep them in the back of my head, waiting to write about them. It just I've never had to. He even walks like a pedophile. Wait, he literally. There's a specific walked. walk. Yeah, he looks like, like, especially when he's like, walking fast, it looks like someone walking away after they realize somebody hacked into the laptop. Well, no, I better get out of here. <laughs> also, he scurries off in a, such a manner as if he is going to do life in prison if he doesn't move fast yeah, enough. Yeah, exactly. He's going to have to register on, on some registry. Because let's face it, the American justice system doesn't put pedophiles away forever. They put away people who do weed forever, but not pedophiles. <laughs> Especially if they're white. You're not wrong, you're just out of line. I'm <laughs> not wrong, I'm just an asshole. <laughs> right, same, same. I love the phrase over the pants hand stuff. <laughs> Shit like that does not exist outside of junior high anymore. It really doesn't, but apparently it does in this fucking movie. Hey, I mean, like, over-the-pants hands stuff happens, but you don't really categorize that as anything other than that's just foreplay. Or heavy petting, yeah, as you just, said. Yeah, yeah, that's leading That's leading to something. But yeah, junior high, that was your whole night, man. Yeah, you need to... over-the-pants hand stuff, that's just like, you have the best night ever. Yeah, you have to qualify that that's exactly what it was, over-the-pants hand yeah, stuff. I got over-the-pants hand stuff. And, you know, depending on what grade you're in, your buddies are like, fucking good for you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Everything's headed in the right direction. Uh, and also depending upon how good of friends they actually are, regardless of your age. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because if they're really, really good friends, they'll still mock you relentlessly for it and then leave. Um, they'll say something like, ah, oh, she felt what was in the pants, over the pants, and just ended it there. Yeah, understandable. And then walk away from you and leave you dejected and crying. <laughs> I don't you, have any good friends. Yeah, I was going to say, your definition <laughs> of good friends is pretty fucked, my man. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what it means. Uh, Clearly not. She's wow. Uh, can you phrase that a little less, you know, pig-headed like? I don't think so. How do you say She. Yeah, just stop right yeah. now. It's yeah, only going to get worse for you. Yeah. Let's just move on. It's only, let's just move on. Let's just move on. <laughs> let's pretend that never happened. Oh, no. It's going out into the world. Oh, well, all right. <laughs> anyway. Wow, you just dropped out on that real fast. Okay. What, what am I going to do? You run Barter Town. What am I supposed to do? You could have said, please don't, if you really oh. don't want it to. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but I'm including everything else except for the horrible thing that you said. Awesome. By the way, the couple inches of neck I was referring to was in their sex scene. When he gets on top of her, there's a moment where the actor rolls over enough and you see about an inch or two of dick neck. Jesus. Well, there you go. I didn't see that, but you're on a projection screen, so. Totally. I saw everything. Of the two inches or so <laughs> of dick neck that were there. Ah, Jesus Christ. It's like a tot's worth. Fuck, I just got lost making that joke.
while you're out there trying to figure out exactly what those things are that court is readily available for, kick the fuck out of this well, weekend. Usually make it's it your teasing. bitch. <laughs> that was a great simultaneous head there. <laughs> usually it's just dick teasing. <laughs> I didn't say you got to repeat yours. Aww. <laughs> and I'm Funny still in a shit mood. <laughs> oh, damn. And I've stopped recording then.